0: Please find a Bible if you uh, were given one as you came in. Uh, If you weren't, then you can use your phone and things. Uh, Page 955, I think it was, in the Bibles. That'll help. And another thing we love to do at Holy Trinity is uh, to draw. Some people really appreciate having something to do with their hands. It helps them listen. And uh, I've got a real challenge for you if you're going to draw using the space on the back of the service sheet. It's can you first draw a food chain uh, or a, a food web? You know, like you have to do with it, like the fox at the top and then like maybe like a bat. There was a bat in the church, wasn't there? Sister Sheila, was that right? Did, were you escorting a bat out just earlier? Yeah. So I don't know. What, what could eat a bat or something? Okay. So uh, draw something like that. And then once you've drawn your food chain, put Jesus in it somewhere. There you go. Put Jesus in it. Well, let's pray with this Bible passage in front of us. Let's pray heavenly father please would you awaken us by your holy spirit to reality that we often can't see and don't notice please would we recognize the lord jesus christ here with us as we prepare to have his body and blood taken into us in jesus name amen What does eating say about who we are? What does eating say about who we are? We're back to this series looking at 1 Corinthians, this letter Paul wrote to a church in Achaia in Greece now. Uh, We've had a few weeks out and now we're back into it. And uh, a while back we looked, chapter 8, do you remember that? We looked at this question of diet, about what we eat and hopefully you got the sense that there were a lot of questions that were unanswered when we sort of really specifically looked at that. So uh, the, the big principle, chapter 8, verse 4 to 6, is that every food can be for God through Jesus. I wonder if you remember that from a few weeks back. You can listen online if you didn't hear it. Uh, then he said that what we eat can actually cause trouble to other people. So we need to be careful about what we eat. And therefore the conclusion was sometimes there's something we're allowed to eat that we should say, no, I'm not going to do that for the sake of someone else. Then chapter 9, he said, look, I'm doing that by being different things to different people so that as many people can become Christians as possible. And then chapter 10, he said, look at ancient Israel. Sometimes what you eat, what desire you follow can lead you into big trouble. But all the time there's been this question hanging over everything, that actually I think, as I've been meditating on this this week, it causes us in our society more trouble than I think it caused people 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 200 years ago. What does eating really say about who we are? What if there is an effect on our identity, on our physical makeup, by consuming certain things? Should we be vegan if we read somewhere that livestock farming is bad for animals and for creation? Should we shop at Tesco when we discover something about their treatment of their suppliers? What about all the other stuff we consume? Loads of people are asking, I don't know if you've followed all these debates, is it okay to watch a Kevin Spacey film anymore? Or a Roman Polanski film? Don't look up what these men have done. It's just bad. Their personal life has been shown to be a big mess. So can we enjoy art that they've contributed to? Books, films, TV shows, websites, entertainment that we consume. A lot of it's been cancelled. People are trying to do that with Harry Potter at the moment because of disagreement with J.K. Rowling's views, the author. Many Christians through the years... Have wanted to avoid consuming things for godly reasons. But it's not just about what happens to us. No sooner have people made up their minds about what they consume and what it says about them, then they leap to criticize others on the basis of what they're consuming. All of us have experienced this recently, haven't we? People judging us, or us wanting to judge other people, on the basis of what we consume. So, verse fourteen to twenty-two is: so we've got this question in our minds. Eating is communion with Jesus or demons. Eating is communion with Jesus or demons. Verse fourteen. So, my dear friends, flee from the worship. Of idols, you're reasonable people. Decide for yourselves if what I'm saying is true. When we bless the cup at the Lord's table, aren't we sharing in the blood of Christ? And when we break the bread, aren't we sharing in the body of Christ? And then going down, verse 18. Uh, Not verse 18, sorry. Uh, verse Verse 20, yeah. I'm saying that these sacrifices are offered to demons, not to God and I don't want you to participate with demons. This concern that we have about what we consume is not because society's gone mad, it's because we've gone sane. (laughs) We finally realised that what we eat, what we take into ourselves is a big deal. Think about what plunged the whole cosmos into disaster in Genesis. It was humans eating something, trying and failing to integrate something into themselves. The more we look at eating, the more we realise that to eat something means we have communion with what we are eating. And actually sometimes something beyond the physical thing we're eating. The sharing thing is is a translation of a word that really means communion. When we eat stuff, we commune with people, ideas, companies, sometimes even spirits. Now, it does go further than food and drink. There are other things we consume, but food and drink are actually the most profound expression of it, because it physically comes into us. It's not just ideas coming through our eyes or our ears. Food and drink literally becomes our body. Have you ever thought about that? If you eat something, it is you, most of it. Our society's right to be concerned about this stuff. This has actually been the norm human civilizations. It's only this brief bit kind of after the 19th century where people started saying, oh, it's just chemical. When we eat the same food as someone, we're bound to them in a way that all of us experience, but we don't always know how to explain. The communion that we're having today is just the true expression of something that happens with all kinds of spiritual realities that are opposed to Jesus a guy called Charles Taylor who wrote a book called The Secular Age that you'll, you'll see popping up if you listen to Christians talking at the moment because he has been looking at this question of how we went from being all religious to all secular in the Western world. And one of the transitions that happened is between two ways of understanding who we are that he calls the buffered self and the porous self. So if you were a medieval in Bungie, if you ate the wrong thing, it could make you subject to some kind of force. So you had to be careful. If you looked at someone the wrong way, they could have an influence over you. People, you know, people are lunatic and Luna is the moon. It means somehow the moon has messed with your head because the moon can get you. So the way you deal with all this stuff that can come into you, this poorer self, is with all kinds of practices and rituals and things. That, that's the way things were once. But then, I, I won't get all philosophical and stuff, but Descartes and some other guys said, no, no, that's just the mind. Physical stuff can't touch your mind. There's this big barrier between what's really us, like our thoughts, and all the stuff outside of us. I choose, with my thinking and my sight and actually my mouth, what comes into me. It's like we've drawn this kind of shield around us that nothing can get through. We like to think of ourselves as master over our thoughts and opinions and feelings. I believe what I have looked into myself. If I read an article, it's not just going to go straight into my brain. I'm going to weigh up whether I want to take it in or not. Certainly when we eat... We've said for a long time, the only thing that really happens is something biological or nutritional. That's the buffered self, force field around us. All the stress about food in our recent years, maybe the last decade or so, has been waking up to the fact that buffer doesn't really work. There are powerful spiritual forces around us. And we're constantly opening ourselves up to them without even really realizing that we're doing it. To really get the switch that's happened and and perhaps realize that it doesn't work, we have to look at this idea as well of sacrifice. Because it doesn't mean killing something or giving something up primarily. That's what we think of, isn't it? Oh, I've made a sacrifice. That means I've given something up. Or we think, oh, they made sacrifices. That means they were killing things to somehow appease God. That's that's what we think of when we think of that word. But if you look at how sacrifices in the Old Testament as well were actually done, mostly it means eating with your God or some spirit. That's the normal pattern of sacrifice. And and we don't think like that because we deny the spiritual world. But if you look a little bit, it's still there. We are connected with something that is not food by eating food. If you only buy Heinz beans, not the shop brand, you are connected with Heinz that there is a connection that happens when you eat it. If you only go to that restaurant and not another one, you are somehow connected with that restaurant and the proprietor and the people who run it. If you consume something offered to someone else, it affects you. That's why brands put the values of their company all over the packaging. And the simple answer Paul gives, verse 14, to all these ways we can end up bound and mixed up with things by eating, is, verse 14, flee! Get away from it! If we're Christians, we're to have nothing to do with these rival spirits, rival gods that inevitably end up as demons, not gods. If what we're consuming is explicitly mixed up with powers, spirits, ideas, worship that's separate from Jesus, flee! I hope that leaves you some questions. How do I do that? How, how do I only eat stuff that's going to connect me with Jesus? And we will get to that question. We will get to that. But the major way he addresses our question is with something we perhaps wouldn't think of, which is to look at the positive way this connection between what we consume and the things it binds us to works. And he looks at eating and drinking at communion. So we've looked at this big thing, like eating is either communion with Jesus or demons. And then chapter, chapter, uh, verse 16 to 18 of chapter 10, he explains how this works at communion. And uh, the heading, if, if you want to, you don't just have to draw in that bit. You can sometimes jot down like these headings that might help uh, with, with getting a sense of where we're going. Uh, so next heading, which is like 1B, <laughs> 16 to 18, everything about Holy Communion with Jesus has meaning. Everything about Holy Communion with Jesus has meaning. If we're here as Christians this morning. We're experiencing this quite alien understanding of consuming as communion. Even if we don't realise it. Christians have been just as caught up as everybody else in this idea of the buffer around us. The sense of our true selves being protected by a wall of matter that doesn't really mean anything. The way we start to see the whole cosmos, as it really is, including all that stuff that can't be put in a test tube or measured with statistics, is to meditate deeply on the meaning of Holy Communion. Anyone notice? It's slightly different wording, but in the passage that Sheila read out, there's a line that we always say when we meet together in communion. Anyone notice that? I always want to get you to put your hands up. Not, any, all right, no, I'm not going to do that. Okay, all right. Think, just think in your head. I know what he's talking about. Okay, that you can give yourself a pat on the back when I say it. It's verse 17. Do you see that? And though we're many, we all eat from one loaf of bread, showing we're one body. So, uh, service sheet. Where is that? Um... There we go. It's uh, just between. There we go. Just at the bottom there. We break this bread. That bit. So, this service we're doing now comes straight from this passage. Jesus didn't give us communion just as something to do on a Sunday. This is a bit boring to, you know, let, let's have a bit of food, you know, just to spice things up a bit. The whole history of sacrifice in the Old Testament. And a far larger tradition of pagan sacrifices that all the Old Testament stuff was set up in opposition to. Well, it leads up to this sacrifice. What we're going to do on that altar is a sacrifice. The ancient churches called it a bloodless sacrifice. Sacrifice. But perhaps we're thinking, oh, no, well, we're not killing Jesus again, are we? No, 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 that's what the Reformation is about. No, no, stop! Well, well if we get out of this idea of sacrifice as killing or giving something up, it, it makes sense. That's part of the buffer that says everything is outside of us. There's this sort of transaction that happens between God and this thing, and we're just watching. That, that's part of this idea that, Separates us from everything and keeps us on the outside all the time, looking objectively. But when we enter into the world of the Bible, there's a completely different understanding going on. There were big reasons why all the Reformation stuff. If, if you don't know what I'm talking about, um, don't worry. This is for the people who might be worried. You know, we're a Protestant church and all that kind of thing. All the arguments there were because this buffered self was coming into being around the time of the Reformation. Something that seems to be happening in the church at the moment is a rediscovery of how this porous self, this communion we have with all kinds of things that we can't see, is actually rushing back in. And we've got to go back to ancient ways of understanding if we're going to deal with it this more ancient way that Paul talks about, this way of understanding sacrifice, is about how we worship and commune with our God. And it always involves food. People don't offer money or jewels or clothes on altars. Across the world, for thousands of years, people don't do that. It's not giving things up. The point is not that we don't have whatever we've offered to our God anymore. There's actually only one sacrifice in Israel that was completely burnt up. For all the others, some gets burned, which is kind of effectively consumed by God, and the rest of it is consumed by us. Verse 18, Paul explicitly refers to that. Think about the people of Israel weren't they united by eating the sacrifices at the altar? Verse 16, uh, that, that sharing word, and again, uh, verse 18 that we just read, the united. Again, it, it's, it's this word communion. It's the same idea again and again. It, it's obscured by how we've got here. If you want to know, it's koinonia. Any of you know that word? It's just again and again, koinonia, meaning communion, fellowship. All the difficulties of Protestant and Catholic theology come down to ignoring the link between the Old Testament understanding of sacrifice and the New Testament understanding of communion. When we leave aside the nutritional and biological side of food and eating, we enter into profound mysteries of our actual physical and spiritual communion with the living God when we eat the bread and wine when we pour wine into that cup as part of our service together as church, Jesus enables us to share in his own blood flowing from his side on the cross when we drink. When we break bread, there's another incredible thing that happens because I hope you know, Jesus' body wasn't broken. It's very explicit. His bones were not broken. So from that gospel reading, why does Jesus break the bread? Well, the reason is so that we can each have a bit and then his body comes back together by us being together. We're breaking and reuniting. That's one reason why I don't like the fact that we've got the little wafers. It's practically good, but really we should have one big thing that gets broken into little bits and then all of us have a bit. That's how it's supposed to be. We come to church divided from each other spiritually and physically just by the busyness of life by our sin by the alienation that all of us feel as part of this society but when the bread is broken on the altar we all eat the same bread and therefore we're all brought back together as the unbreakable body of the lord jesus christ the church is communion of the body of christ That's why we remember saints and angels when we come to communion, because they're part of the body of Christ too, even though we can't see them. The more we meditate on communion, the words that surround it, the way we receive it, the nature of the bread and wine, the more meaning comes to us, the more we're caught up in something real and spiritual, the more we actually commune with the living God. Okay, uh, it's 21 minutes already. i have got to get to Barsham and you guys are probably stamina and everything. But uh, I've left some pretty big questions hanging. So uh, I'm going to maybe say some headlines and then you can ask me after or, or read what I was going to say. Okay. Um, so uh, the, the, the basic issue now, here's the heading, uh, second bit. We've got this question. Well, well, does that mean I have to be really nervous about everything I eat? Because it might have been sacrifice to some weird demon without me knowing or because amazon's really evil or oh no i need to boycott everything you know or oh uh, there's one brilliant thing um i'm not going to quite quote it but in the good place one of the characters is on a netflix show says it's really hard being right as a modern person because you buy a sandwich and then you suddenly realize it means you hate people or something you know it's like that's what it's like isn't it we're always buying stuff and feeling we're getting trapped in some kind of weird ideology that we didn't know about well that is, this next bit's dealing with that question. Okay, so 10 verse 23 to 11 verse 1. Here's the headline, and I'm, I think I'm just going to say it and then stop. Jesus cares more about bringing us into his body than what we put in ours. Jesus cares more about bringing us into his body than what we put in ours. This thing that we talked about, this power of food to unite us, is much more dependent on the people we're with than on the thing itself. So that's why you've got this situation where you've got someone who's like, oh, you know, that was offered to a demon. And then at that point, you're like, I don't care. It all belongs to Jesus. Every single thing you eat belongs to Jesus. So every bit of food can be communion with Jesus. So everything's back on the menu again. Just just another thing. It specifically says don't sniff out whether it was offered to a demon. It's not our job when we're looking at this thing and looking at all the kind of things brands say they are to, like, deeply investigate whether they really mean it. We're specifically not supposed to do that. We receive it as from Jesus with thanks. So don't agonise about what you consume. Seriously. It messes with our minds and makes us anxious. Just enjoy it with Thanksgiving. If you discover that they, you know, ah, uh, strip mind all of the Congo or something afterwards, that then you're not connected with that by eating it. You were eating it, thankfully, to God. But if someone tells you it was strip mine in the Congo, then say, okay, maybe I shouldn't eat it. That's the basic idea. Let's go back 24 minutes. Ah, so much stuff I didn't say today, sorry. Okay, let's just wrap it up. Food can be a profound means of intimacy with our living God. But it's also a non-issue of receiving all kinds of gifts with thanks. The Bible is so balanced. It is both everything and of no consequence whatsoever. And the thing that really makes the difference is the people who are around us at the time. So verse 31, this is a great summary, isn't it? Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the Lord Jesus who fills our true lives with meaning. Thank you that he gives himself to us in this meal. Please would we discern how we are communing with him and with each other as we receive bread and wine now. And please would we receive everything else with thanksgiving and wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen.